Amen. And so uh, we'll uh, go ahead and get into the word, and I'll just open up in a brief word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we just avail ourselves to you and open our hearts to you this morning uh, to receive uh, the word that you have for us, Lord. Uh, speak to our hearts, Father God. Um, open up the hearts of our understanding, uh, Father, so that the word is planted in the good soil that will yield uh, an abundant uh, fruit for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh we have uh, Resurrection Day that is uh, nigh upon us. Praise the Lord uh, for the great things he has done. Uh, this week we'll be uh, covering Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and uh, certain aspects that are on my heart about that. And that'll be in Matthew it's in all the Gospels, but in Matthew 21 is where we'll be focusing our attention today, uh, the first 17 verses of Matthew chapter 21. I will read the first 11 verses, and then we will uh, proceed from there. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who's this? Or who is this? And the crowds said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So we'll be celebrating the resurrection day of Jesus, but we're entering here in this story the final week of his earthly ministry. And there is, from this moment on, uh, we're going to go from here, then we're going to cover the cross him suffering the cross and his resurrection. There is so much prophetic fulfillment in the final week of Jesus' ministry. It's, it's almost mind-blowing, all right? And you know, uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, right? And so there are a lot of religions. There are a lot of religions that present themselves as though they are a route to heaven. But, but, but you know what? There's only one in which there is prophecy that confirms the truth of, of the word of God, confirms the truth of who our Messiah is in Jesus Christ. Prophecies, all of which were fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? So this is not just a matter of opinion or argument. These are, these are scriptural truths, prophetic prophecy fulfilled in Jesus proving him to be the Messiah. This is not going to be a, you know, a message full of prophetic fulfillment, but I want, you to, I want to let you know that that is coming. <laughs> All right? We're going to address that because we ought to be able to give an answer for the reason why we believe. I said we ought to be able to give an answer, a confident one, of re the reason why we believe. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an opinion. 
Our belief is rooted in scriptural fact that has been proven by prophecy fulfilled. People think you got to put your brain on the shelf and just have blind faith. You know what? There is more statistical evidence and proof that Jesus is the Messiah and that he died and rose again. I, I tell you what, it would be an open and shut case in the court of law. If you wanted to put this on the, if you wanted to put this on trial, uh, it would be an open and shut case and they, they would have to concede that Jesus is who he called, who he said he is. Amen. But we have here, the, the first thing that really trips me out about this is what Jesus says to these two disciples. He knows that what he's about to do is about to be a fulfillment of prophecy. And he tells them to go into a vi the village in front of him and find a donkey that's tied up with the colt with her. And what does he ask him to do? He says, just bring him to me. He doesn't say, ask the owner to borrow the donkey. doesn't say, you know, doesn't ask for permission. He says, you'll find him. As soon as you get there, you'll find it. When you see him, just untie him and bring him to me. And then he says, if somebody asks you what you're doing, just tell them the Lord has need of it and he'll let you take them. Why do I mention that? They are going by the command of Jesus. They're obeying what Jesus told them to do, right? They're walking with him. They're seeing him face to face. They're speaking to them. Whoever owns that donkey had to be hearing the spirit. God somehow, someway spoke to the owner of the donkey and said, the Lord will have need of the donkey and the colt, and somebody's coming to take it one day for him to, I don't even know how much detail he gave him. But it speaks to the importance of our being in communion with the Lord, walking with the Lord, hearing God in the spirit as we continue to pray to God and continue to uh, uh, take every issue to the Lord. We're practiced in that we're in God's word and we're praying to the Lord so that we, so that God can speak to us. A word that prepares us to act in faith and obedience in accordance with how he's moving. If that person doesn't hear God, if that person isn't sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, there's no way he's hearing what God said and letting someone take that donkey for Jesus, the Messiah, to fulfill prophecy with. Right? And so it speaks to the importance. I can preach to you and I can tell you to the best of my ability what God's word says. And you want to be under, you're in a church, under a leadership that's going to preach sound doctrine. Okay, but we cannot be satisfied with what somebody else is saying to us all the time. We've got to know God for ourselves. We've got to hear God ourselves. We can't always look for somebody else to tell us what God is saying. Because there is, all of us, there is a, there is a time and place where God wants to speak directly to us. Okay, and we need to hear what he is saying to us. And he wants us to hear it. Okay, there, there, there is a word that you need to hear from God. Okay, so that when I come to you or another brother or sister comes to you and says, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to obey God in this. I feel like God is telling me this for you. All they're doing is confirming what God has already told you. Okay, so so we're going to need to do the work to press into God, to draw near unto him, to do our part to, uh, to enhance that relationship with him. So I want to challenge you, okay, hear God, walk with God, spend time, in, uh, spend time with God. I don't care if you feel like God's presence is there or not. 
you got to know the word of God that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Wherever two or more gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst. So husband and wife, if you're praying, if you're gathered together in his name, he's there. Your situation might not feel like he's there, but he's there. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. Right? And so we've got to know that we know that we know that that is our God. That's what he has said of himself, and that's true regardless of what we feel. Okay? So, so, so let's not overly emphasize a feeling or lack thereof. Let's know what thus says the word of God, and let's, let, let, let's direct our thoughts in, in, in obedience to that. Okay? I just wanted to say that I don't even know the name. It never even mentions the name of the donkey owner. But I can tell that the donkey owner heard God. And without, the, without his name ever being mentioned, he had a role to play in this fulfillment of prophecy. Okay? So don't just be, don't, don't just pat yourself on the back and be content with the fact that you're here and you're sitting in the chairs and you're hearing the word of God and you're singing the praise songs, all of that is good, okay? But but that's that's 101. That's walking with God 101, right? I mean, you're, we're expected to, we're expected to go up into the upper level classes and to grow in our walk with Him, and that needs to not just happen on Sundays. That needs to be daily, okay? I don't just worship God on Sundays. I worship him daily, right? I, I don't just hear his word on Sundays. I'm in his word daily, okay? Uh, I don't just hear what someone preaches. I hear God speak to me, amen? That, that, that's not a, a thing to be afraid of or a spooky thing. God wants to speak to us, and he wants to show himself a very present help. In our situations, if we'll remember what his word says and we'll act on it. So I just wanted to show some love to the donkey owner. Whatever his name may have been. And I, you know what? I don't know what I would do. God say, I want you to go down the street, go into the guy's yard over there, you know, untie his horse and just take it in an open carry state. There would be some fear and trembling in that one. I'd obey, but uh, I'd ask for a lot of prayer cover. But it goes on. So they went and they obeyed the Lord in it. They brought the donkey to him and put on their cloaks and he sat on it. And it, you know, most of the crowd put their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them uh, on the road. And, 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 and here we see this jubilant praise, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest as he's entering into Jerusalem. Now, it appears like everything is going well with the crowd publicly saying things about Jesus that declare their belief that he is the Messiah. And for the first time in his ministry, Jesus doesn't say, hey, shh, be quiet, tone that down. He allows it to happen. Okay, what they're saying, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I want you to, I want to contrast this. I was going to wait till next week, but I, I at least want to contrast this right here. This, the crowd right now is saying Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In another week, that crowd is going to be yelling, crucify him. Crowds can be fickle, right? All right. He's the Messiah right now. Crucify him. No, no, give us Barabbas. Free Barabbas. Go ahead and crucify him. 
So all looks well. All looks like things are going. I think it's because there was a misperception here. I believe they were looking at Jesus as being, as coming as king, as coming as, and he's the king of kings, but, and he's going to come and he's going to conquer. There's a day coming for that. But this wasn't the focus of his coming this day. This day, he's coming as the Prince of Peace. Offering the salvation of the Lord. All right? He's the Lamb of God. He, now, other, if he's coming as a conquering king, he's not coming in there on the coat of a donkey. All right? He'd be coming in on a steed. He'd be looking resplendent. He'd have his army in procession with him. Right? So it's indicative. This is all symbolic of the purpose of his coming. He's entering into Jerusalem not not to come and take down the Roman government and reestablish government. No, he's coming to offer peace with God. The peace that he would be dying for in, a, in, in about a week. He is going into Jerusalem as for fulfillment of a prophecy in Zechariah 9 verse 9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a coat, the foal of a donkey? So what does it say? It says, he tells him he's king, so he is of royal lineage, righteous and having salvation is he. So he's there to give peace with God. As I said earlier, a conquering king would ride in on a mighty steed with his army. Jesus riding on a coat of a donkey indicates that he's coming, not as conquering king, not yet, but as the prince of peace to offer salvation. I want to move on, uh, starting at verse 12. I want to talk about something in the temple courts here. Because I think there is a lot to glean from here. And I want to spend uh, the majority of the rest of the time talking about it. I think we could learn a lot from it. And Jesus entered the temple. Now, it should be said he entered the temple court. He entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers, and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. I want to speak to that real quick. This is not the same that happened early in his ministry. This is a second time he's done this. Okay? And what's going on in the outer courts? I want to first tell you that Gentiles were allowed to come and worship just like Jews were, but the Gentiles had to do it in the outer court. Okay? They were only permitted to do it in the outer court. But you know what? And here's one of the reasons why Jesus was mad. But they couldn't do it in the outer courts because you've got the money changes. You've got this scheme going on where people, there's animals traipsing all around the, the temple court of God, and you've got people conducting commerce in, in, God is not against commerce, but what was going on was crooked. If you needed to buy animals, dove or whatever it was, if you needed to buy an animal in order to sacrifice unto the Lord, you better buy it outside the temple court because it's going to cost you anywhere from 10, 15, 20 times more to buy it on the temple court. So people are getting price gouged in the temple court. Not only that, 
You even had the religious leaders who would sell, for example, would sell animals to the money changers so that they can sell it to the people who would come. They're here on Passover. They need to get these animals so they can sacrifice and participate in, in uh, the Passover. Well, the very animals that the, that the religious leaders were selling, the people who bought those animals from the money changers would try to bring those for inspection and they wouldn't pass inspection. So they'd have to go and buy another one. It was an absolute scam that was going on. In an area that should have been open for Gentiles to come to the only place they could come and participate in the Passover and worship the Lord. So this isn't just a simple matter of selling animals and stuff. What was going on was sin. What was going on was evil. And what was going on was prioritized over the Gentiles being able to come and participate in the Passover. That's why Jesus, that's why Jesus handled this situation the way that he did. And um, I just felt it necessary uh, to point that out. Money changers in and of themselves are not evil, but what was going on there was a racket. And it's what was not allowed to go on that should have been. It's written that my house shall be a house of prayer. The Gentiles can't pray because they can't, because they're, the place they should be praying is filled up with animals and money changers and tables and all kinds of sin going on. So I just wanted to add that context there. And I'm going to refer back to this here in a, in a few minutes. Let's go on with that backdrop. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. So let's take a look here in these last five or six verses. Of course, Jesus is, Jesus is one of the main characters there, but you have the blind, you have the lame, you have children, and the religious leaders. It's interesting that the religious leaders had, had no trouble with all the dishonest business that was going on in the court of the temple. No trouble that the Gentile believers had no place to come and pray and worship God. But oh my goodness, you got some blind and lame people healed and you got some children saying Hosanna to the son of David. Oh, that's it's indignant time. Right? And that, to me, that speaks of what can happen to us as the church if we're not careful and, and if we're not focusing on, you know, uh, building and developing and growing our relationship with the Lord. Okay? If, if we're more focused on minutia or details or do's and don'ts, if we're more focused on law, than we are relationship with the Lord, then we don't know him. We know what scripture says. We can recite verses. We have stuff memorized. But if we don't do that, which leads to knowing God, hearing him speak to us, him being able to lead us because we're sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit, then we're just being religious.
And it'd be amazed at the things that would draw our ire. Then we could be upset about the things that we ought not to be upset about. And, and we can be apathetic and not be indignant about the things we ought to be indignant about. And, and, and I don't need an amen to know that that one is true. Right? And so we have here the Pharisees. I think we, again, I want to, I want to point to that because we can learn by observation from their mistakes. They put their security in observance of the law, right? They misread the situation. They, the, the, the blind people could see who Jesus was. The kids could see who Jesus was and worship him for who he is. And yet, those who are educated in the law and who by profession ought to know we're blind to who he is. Let's not be blind. Let's not be blind to what to who God is and what he's doing. Right? Let, 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 let's be humble before him and 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 not be so self-confident and so self-righteous that 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 we're not that we're not humble enough to hear God and to recognize what God is doing right in front of our eyes. I wish, you know, I mean, I, I, I wish I, I had a hallelujah, praise Jesus deal, but, um, but this is, I mean, but this is true, and I, and I believe that this is important for us to draw these truths and apply them to our lives. And I, I, I like to point out these contrasts in that the people, if we're not careful, we can, we can, uh, end up behaving like the Pharisees and, and miss God in the situation. Um, part of the reason they had a disdain for, part of the reason that they were indignant is the, how they viewed children and the lame and the blind. Even Jesus' disciples believed this way. They believed that the blind and the lame were under the, cur under the curse of God. So they were despised in their eyes. Didn't Jesus' own disciples, when they were referring to a blind man, they say, Lord, he was blind from birth. Who sinned, his parents or him, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, no, this is not, this is not the result of any of them sinning. But that was the common belief, that if you are lame or blind, you're suffering in some kind of way, that you're defective in some kind of way. You're rejected by God. And so you look at, if you look at people that way, then they can become despised in your eyes and say, what, what, what are you doing listening to these people? These people praising you. They shouldn't be here. They shouldn't even be on the court, much less praising you. They consider children a nuisance. Again, going back to Jesus' disciples, I didn't even... I know this is, these are so recognizable, that's why I didn't add them as verses uh, on the, to be put on the screen. Uh, you might remember when the mothers brought their children for Jesus to lay hands on them and, and, and bless them. The disciples tried to say what? Oh, we, this is important business we're conducting here. Get those kids out of here. They're in the way. We're trying to do God's work here. And Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of God. Right? And so even his disciples were a part of that mindset. Children got in the way, a nuisance. We'll wait till they grow up and become useful. You know, we just, they're just not where it needs to be right now. And the lame and blind, they are despised in our eyes because they're under the curse. They shouldn't have done whatever it did that, whatever they did that got them the condition that they're currently in. That's why we have to really guard our hearts. Really guard our hearts. And uh, we can't guard our hearts on our own. We have to continually put ourselves in humility before the Lord in quiet time, in our prayers, in praying to him, in the word, which 
which positions ourselves for the Holy Spirit to do its work, to, to lead us and guide us where we need guiding, but to convict us where we need convicting. Okay? Uh, we don't just need to hear the Spirit of God when we're praying for someone and we want a miracle to manifest. We need to hear the Spirit of God to speak to us concerning where we're not in order with God. And we need to be humble before God in our quiet time and let the Holy Spirit convict us and to lead us in the truth. Uh, if, if you're anything like me, you know, uh, I know I'm not perfect. If there's any doubt, just ask Mrs. Cannon. All right? She will lovingly tell you, confirm that word, right? And y'all knew it anyway. But any of us, there before the grace of God go I. Any of us can go off the narrow path onto the wide path. Any of us. All of us have triggers. All of us have certain issues in life that we're struggling with. And you know, it may not be a major issue now that demands your attention. But you know what? Praise God for that. If it's not something that's led you to do something destructive, then you have all the more reason to to take it before God right now and deal with it before it metastasizes into something that's going to be a destruction to you, your family, your loved ones. Are you hearing me? So, so a lot of that behavior, a lot of those things that end up being to our destruction or, or severe consequence, they, they, they started off a, a smaller thing. They started off something that was more easy to manage. All right? But through lack of consistent prayer and lack of consistently going before God, inviting God to do a work in us and, 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 and getting ourselves before other brothers and sisters and, and sharing where our struggle is so that we can be held accountable, right? You know, all these things, doing those things to where, to where we know that we, are, we, we don't have enough in our own strength in order to maintain that walk or to or to conquer these things. We're going to need God to do a work in us and we're going to need to be accountable to at least another person and invite them to really challenge us and help us to grow, right? Because we're supposed to be the disciples of the Lord, not just the believers, right? And so we need to have a disciple mentality, all right? And a disciple, you're, you're, you're being... You're, you're being disciplined. There's a certain discipline, a certain way of life that you're being disciplined to. Okay? And so if we don't take those serious measures, okay, then we are leaving ourselves vulnerable. And that scripture that says the enemy goes around, Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, we, we, we give an opening for him to do, to do, to do that very thing. Okay? But he has nothing in us if we're obeying God, all right? And we are submitting our members to righteousness. And, and we're, acknowledging, we're acknowledging our weaknesses and our issues. And we are allowing ourselves to be accountable to someone, okay? But we're not letting that person, that brother or sister, be the end-all, be-all to us. They're there for accountability and support to help sharpen us and to help us in, in, in some way from a human standpoint, a relationship to bear that burden. But the source of it, the one that's going to do the transformative work in us is our God. Okay? It's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And we're going to have to prioritize putting ourselves in his presence and inviting him to do that work that only he can do. Are you hearing me? And so that, that's, that, that's really, and it's really not that hard to do. We just have to, you know, we have to put to death pride, <laughs> right? We have to put pride to death and say, you know what, uh, and put fear to death. We're going to have to say, you know what, God has to give me a spirit of fear. Man, but if I share that with a brother, if I share that with a sister, you know, uh, I don't know how they're going to view me. I don't know how they're going to respond, I, I, you know. I, I got to be the only one going through this. And what does that say about me? And this or that and the other. You know what? We got to get to a point to where 
getting right with God and getting free in the Lord is of higher priority than what other people think, right? And, and, and what our fears are and, and all that other stuff. What, what, what matters is that I am pursuing God. I am pursuing the, 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 the uh, I am pursuing growing in him. I want to be conformed into the image of Christ. And I, I know God has a purpose and a plan for me. And, and I know that this is going to have to be dealt with in order for me to walk in the fullness of that. So I'm going to do what I need to do in order to, for God to do the work in me to prepare me for success in that calling he has for me. Okay? It's not a doubt that I'm going to get to the promised land that God has for me, that calling. I'm going to get there. But when I get there, am I ready to possess the land? Okay? And God wants us to possess the land. Are you hearing me? He does not want us to be, you know, Joshua was so awesome and God did great things under Moses and he did great things under Joshua. But then you get into the book of Judges. They go in to possess the land. But by the time you get to chapter two and Joshua and all the, uh, the, the great uh, men and women of God that walk with God and remember what God done for them after they all died off one generation later. They didn't know God. And that tells you how quickly we can move away from God if we are not mindful and purposeful and intentional in our relationship with God. Putting ourselves in remembrance who he is and what he's done. Reminding ourselves of of what his promises are and what he's called us to. And what our uh, responsibilities are toward him, what he's commanded of us. Okay? And I know I said earlier, let's not overly focus on rules and do's and don'ts to the expense of relationship. (laughs) All right? We're still to obey him, but we ought to be obeying him out of that love and out of that relationship. He went to the cross for us out of love. And when he spoke about the greatest commandment, love the love your the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? And love your neighbor as yourself, you know? And he says that in these is all the law fulfilled. It doesn't just mean, oh, if I just love and love and love, then I'm fulfilling the law. No, if we love God, all right, then out of that motivation, out of that relationship with God comes our actions of obedience, a faithful obedience. Everything should stem out of relationship with him. We love him because he first loved us. Okay? He went to the cross for me because he loves me. I'm walking for him in faithful obedience because I love him back. Okay? And so, you know, I just I just wanted to speak to that. Um, it just one generation after Joshua and those who were closest to him died. The people of God had gone astray and they were not walking with God. And that's us if we follow the same pattern, right? What does that tell me? That that was Joshua's and that generation's God, right? The others were observing Joshua and them do great things, but he did not become their God. What they were doing was empty religion. Okay? That, that, that there was no real relationship, no tangible relationship there. So what they did was ine- is inevitability. Right? And that's why I started off this message encouraging you that how important it is for you to get in God's word. For you to spend time with God on a daily basis. For you to have that quiet time, for you to hear God, because you ought to be hearing God if you're in relationship with him. Okay? And so, so, so you don't have to wait another Sunday to hear God. You don't have to have a certain brother or sister pray for you to hear God. Okay? We, we need to 
We need to conduct ourselves in a way that, that enables us to hear God for ourselves. And so we know that he is ours and we are his. Okay? And, and I'll tell you what, that, that relationship with God is everything. We got to prioritize that relationship. And so, um, you know, in uh, uh, Matthew 11, verse 25, 26, this is the last verse I'll share. I didn't expect to say what I just said. Uh, this was supposed to be right after <laughs> uh, uh, I mentioned that the blind and the and the um, lame and the and the babies were all able to hear and see who Jesus was, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law could not. Uh, Matthew eleven verse twenty five and twenty six says, "At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father.'" Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So those who really, I don't want to say couldn't help but be humble, but if you're blind, you're blind, right? Uh, it, to me, it is a miracle. The, the blind could see Jesus was the Messiah. The lame. Those people who had been looked down upon and who had known nothing but a state of humility pretty much all their lives. And open-hearted and innocent children. You know, uh, they hadn't been beaten down by life. They hadn't been poisoned by different uh, false perspectives and everything. They saw the spade, and they recognized the spade as a spade. They saw that he was the Lord, the Messiah, and they all praised him as the Messiah. And it just shows if we but have a humble heart and an open heart and open mind to the Lord, that he will reveal himself to us. We can't, you know, uh, it shows they didn't have education. They didn't have station in life. They weren't among the wisest. And in, in, in a lot of experience, kids didn't have much experience. But a humble heart, coming to God with a humble heart and just an innocent spirit is all we need in order it's all God needs in order for him to reveal who he is to us, right? I'm so, it's so easy. That is so easy. It's so simple. We, we feel like it's got to be more to it than that. We, we Surely, we've got to do more than that, but it's really that easy, right? We just thank you, Father. Hallelujah. In the hustle and the bustle of these times. And you know, the last days started with Jesus. They started with Jesus and him, uh, his suffering and his uh, dying on the cross and, and uh, being raised again. And they will end when he returns. We're in the last days. There are wars. There are rumors of wars. There is evil being called good and good being called evil. All right? There are all kinds of evil going on in this world. And, and it's understandable that it gets so much of our attention. We, we, we are, we've been called to be in the world, but not of it. So we're in this world and we're accountable to God to, to be his ambassadors in this world, aren't we? But we, we, we have to really do some, do some study and, uh, and remind ourselves that we are to be ambassadors and what that word ambassador means. Right? 
We are to represent him. An ambassador says what he who sent him told him to say. An ambassador adopts the positions that he who sent him told him to. Right? The ambassador conducts himself in the manner that reflects the one who sent him. Right? And so, so you don't have, so even if the person in authority is not present, there should be no conflict between what the ambassador says and does and what the one who sent him would say and do. And so I just encourage us, church, let's just be that. Let's be true ambassadors. In word, conduct, deed, let's be true ambassadors and conduct ourselves in a manner that's in line with how Jesus would conduct himself if he were here. We have enough in the Gospels to know how he would. You hear me? And so, Jesus. No, I'm not going there. I'm, I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to stop right here. Y'all just, you know, just, just pray for me. Um. I'm going to ask y'all to stand. Hallelujah. I cannot emphasize enough to you that if you have given your life to the Lord, whatever you came out of, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Your position before God is secure. It's not based on performance. It's secure because your salvation didn't depend on your performance. It's 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 yours based on what Jesus did. Okay? What he did. He lived the sinless life that you couldn't live. He satisfied the law, the requirements of the law completely. And then as the Lamb of God, he took away the sins of the whole world on Calvary's cross. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because it's, it, it, it's time to speak truth to the lies that the devil has been whispering in the ears of God's people for too long. I'm not giving you a license to sin. What I'm telling you is that your performance does not call your salvation into question. Okay? Your identity is what it is in the Lord. Okay? Your identity is rooted in Christ. You are a child of God if Christ Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you acknowledge him as the only begotten of God and that he is the only way, that there is no other name under heaven given by which man can be saved. Now that position might be considered controversial today. So what? It's the truth. And we've got to stand on that truth. And there are those, I don't know who you are, I'm just speaking what's on my heart. There are those of you who are struggling with your identity in Christ because of the struggles you are dealing with in your life. And I want, you, I want to absolve you of that. Why do I consider it important to do that? Because what we believe about ourselves, what we feed our minds, okay, affects our actions. It affects our 
feelings. It affects our ability to walk with God. If I don't see myself as a son of God, how do I expect to walk and act like a son of God? All right? And so we've got to know and be secure in our identity in the Lord because it is knowing that identity and it is, and it is having that, that belief solidified in our hearts that's going to be important to our being able to, to, to walk in freedom eventually. We've got, to know, we've got to know that the devil is lying to us. It, he, he's trying to get us to believe that we're not something that we are. Isn't that what he did at the Garden of Eden? No, you're not really like him. As a matter of fact, he doesn't want you to eat the fruit because if you do, then you'll be like him. And that change in mindset, once infected, it dictated sinful actions. I want you to know the devil is keeping you bound by keeping you tied in your mind to what you used to be. And, and, and it's time to cut that cord. It's time to let go of that because you're a new creation now. Okay? You belong to the Lord. You're not a sinner anymore. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You are the redeemed. You are the beloved. Are you hearing me? And so, so, so you need to see yourself as God sees you. So, so Father God, I, I pray for your people this morning, those who are still struggling in their minds, Father God, who have not cut that cord and divorced themselves from the sins of their past. Even if those sins continue to rear its ugly head and, and they're still fighting that battle, Father God, they need to cut the cord because what they used to be when they were willingly walking in that sin is not what they are anymore. And the reason that they're still battling and struggling is because they have yet to acknowledge, truly acknowledge the victory that has already been won over it. For this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And I thank you, Father, that Jesus has saved them to the utmost. They are saved. They are no longer in bondage to sin. And the matter, as a matter of fact, the, the very fact that they are battling, that they are beginning to wage war, that they are resisting sin in an attempt to walk righteously with God is proof that they're no longer what they used to be. Because I can guarantee you there was a time, just like in my life, there was a time when you weren't resisting that. There was a time when you had no problem in your conscience about what you were doing. But the Spirit of God that is within you has convicted you. It's, it's, it's proving to you that you are not the same, that you have been born again. And that there is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, resides in you. And he's doing the work. He's doing the work. The goodness of God is continuing to lead you to repentance. And, 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 and you are so close to your freedom. You're so close. The only thing holding you up is a mindset that has yet to let go of Egypt. And I believe God wants to do a, a Red Sea experience in your life. He wants to drown the horse and the rider. He, want, he wants to drown in the Red Sea in, that spirit, in your spiritual Red Sea, he wants to drown that which once held you captive. And destroy that connection to the extent that it can never be re-established again. But you know what God is saying to you? You're right here at your Red Sea moment. You've got your sins that have been hounding you and you've been needing to be free from it. You've, you, you've said a million times, I don't know why. I don't know why I haven't been able to break free. 
and so forth. Well, it, it, it's you've been believing a lie instead of believing the truth. And it's time for you to lift up your staff. What did God say to Moses? What are you talking to me for? Raise up your staff and point it toward the Red Sea. All right? God's power is going to part it, but, but you have a role to play here. All right? You're going to have to obey my word. You're going to have to do it my way. Raise up your staff to that Red Sea. And Moses did it. And it parted. And they walked over on dry land. I know there is no literal Red Sea right now. But that was a natural, something that happened in the natural that speaks to a spiritual truth. And this is the spiritual choice that you're facing right now. Let's sever the cord today. Let's sever the cord. I, I, I know I've already done this during worship time, but we're going to do it again uh, because the altar is open. I'm going to invite you. If, if you have had any struggle with your identity in the Lord, uh, uh, especially if it's been rooted in uh, either past sins or issues that have still somehow been left unresolved, you have not experienced freedom over the sin. You've not felt secure in your identity in the Lord. All right? Then I'm, your staff deal is for you to come on up. Don't care about who's watching on Facebook Live. There's a whole lot worse than whatever you're coming up for going on on Facebook Live. But just, just just come on up. While I'm talking, just come on up. Hallelujah. It's just, it's just time to settle the issue in your heart today. It's time to settle it. It's time to be done with it. No, the devil does not get a chance to play in the playground of your mind anymore. It's time for him to be kicked out. It's time for him to be kicked out. He's wreaked havoc in your life for long enough. Today is the day that we acknowledge full-heartedly our sonship and our daughtership in the Lord. And that it's not a fragile thing that can be compromised or lost because of a failure on our part. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I'm going to, if anybody who's a member of the prayer team would, would, uh, uh, would you mind, uh, Aaron? Uh, who else? Okay. Hallelujah. Where's Paula? Oh, there she is. <laughs> Paula. And Ken, hallelujah. Where is Annette and Robert? Yeah, praise the Lord. Let's, let's go for expediency here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. said inferiority is fear-based. God has not given us a spirit of inferiority. He has reconciled us to himself.
praise the Lord. I don't know if the Facebook live broadcast has stopped yet, but um, if not, just praise the Lord. Uh, I love you guys, and we'll see you next week, Facebook Live. So.